And we're going to stay on this subject that we've been the past couple of weeks. And if you already know what scripture to turn to. Ephesians chapter 6. We're in a series of spiritual warfare. I want to apologize for our projector. It's been out. It's been gone. And uh, it's been able to help with the scriptures. But uh, actually, we ordered a brand new one. And so it should be here um, coming up this week. It's a brand new brand new. Uh, we've had our old one for a couple of years, uh, but we decided, said, no, you know what, let's do it. There was a couple men in our church. They said, no, we want to participate. We want to help bless the church, beautify the church, and we believe that that's a part. So uh, a couple of them came together, and so we brought a, bought a brand new projector. Should be here soon. Amen. Amen. And uh, also the reason why, uh, because I want to start showing some more movies here. I'll show some more movies, get some men and young men and young women here, watch some movies, have some popcorn, and, uh, you know, have some movies. Because one day, real soon, actually, we're going to be having our very own movie here. Uh, and if you've been here uh, within our church for a little while, you know that we're actually starting our project uh, of a movie called Shotgun. There's a drama that we had years ago. We started back in 1991, 92, uh, with my father when he was here and now. We're seeing something happening. I'm going to be meeting, keep it in prayer, I'm going to be meeting with uh, the actor Noel G, as well as a producer, another movie producer. We're going to be meeting together in a couple of weeks and going over all the logistics, if you will. It's real technical, all the small stuff on getting a movie together because uh, we want to put out a quality movie, amen? <laughs> we don't want to put out just a rinky-dink one. We want to put out a quality movie that people could look at and say, wow, these people are saying this is what Christianity is. I want to be a part of that. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 10. If you have it, say amen. amen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Somebody say, put it on. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the person that cut you off on the freeway this morning. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Somebody say, put it on. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes with, from the gospel of peace. In addition, take up. Somebody say, take up. Then it says, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Before you're seated, tell your neighbor, take it up and put it on. Then you may be seated. This morning, I'm not going to be very long with you, but I want to make sure that we get the word of God across to us here this morning. Now, for those, for those of you that might have grown up maybe in a different background, maybe you grew up going to a Catholic church and you went and you had catechism, right? Maybe many of you took that when you were younger. And I don't know if, uh, if any of you have really went to a Catholic wedding before, but in a Catholic wedding, that is the longest wedding I have ever been a part of in my life. Has anybody ever went to a Catholic wedding before? Okay, so you know, those things are long. Long. You ever been to a Catholic service, right? Sometimes you're, you know, you feel like a, you're in a jazzercise or something. You're like, let us stand, let us kneel, let us sit, let us stand, let us kneel, let us sit, right? And it goes on for a while, for a while. And it's funny that even sometimes when it comes to hearing the word of God, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I don't know about you, but sometimes throughout the week, I don't hear things that grow my faith. I don't hear things that grow my faith. Some of the music that we have, some of the gossip that is at your work, 
that doesn't grow your faith. But here in the church house, this is where your faith should grow. Can I hear an amen? And so we want to make sure that you get it here this morning. Whether it's a short sermon or a long sermon, we want your faith to grow. Somebody say, I want my faith to grow. And here in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the helmet of salvation as a part of the armor of God. Today I want to take a look at one of the most talked about subjects that we talk about from water coolers to pulpits, from debate rooms to chat rooms, from historical perspective to present day happenings. And that is the helmet of salvation. It's very hard to deny the importance of a helmet. There was a story that was read in an article in the Lansing State Journal back in June, 20, June 23rd of 2009. And it talked about a 36-year-old who was involved in a skateboarding accident. The official said it was a death that could have been avoided. Paul Maxim was his name. He said he was not wearing a helmet. He suffered a skull fracture and other head injuries and in an accident on June 18th at Rainy Skate Park near Frandor. He died on a Saturday. The Lansing Fire public information officer by the name of Steve, Steve Mazurik said a simple helmet would have saved his life. And another story that appeared on the 4th of July in 2008 in the Manchester Evening News, it said this, Savannah Hayworth, 11 years old, was knocked unconscious after falling into the path of a car. The wheels went over her arm and over the top of her helmet, but she escaped with a swollen elbow and a bruising to her face. Her parents said that she would have been killed without the helmet and are now urging all cyclists to wear them. Now it's incredible to think that the absence or the existence of just a helmet can make so much of a difference that a skateboarding accident can prove fatal without one while being run over by a car can be survived with one. See, one of the pieces of our spiritual armor is the helmet of salvation. And as we can see from these two different stories, a helmet is not a piece of equipment not to be underestimated. See, my friend, the helmet is very important. The helmet has to do with life and it has to do with death. It's very important. Tell your neighbor, it's very important. Now, what is the purpose of the helmet that we read about many times that even this portion of scripture talks about that it serves in the Roman army, the Roman army. Now the Roman helmet, just like today's helmet, protected the head from attacks of the enemy. There is even much evidence that suggests that the Romans had special ceremonial helmets used in parades that denoted rank and even standing. This helmet was able to withstand blows from the enemy when you were looking and even when you weren't looking. Now, if you watch many movies, Romans movies, gladiator movies, you'll see how the helmet, when they put it on, it just looks like they're ready for battle, doesn't it? It's almost like the one piece that gives you the look that you're ready for battle is the helmet. Because if you look at someone with a helmet on, you're like, they're ready for something. I mean, if you're going to go and you're going to ride your bike, you got to put your helmet on. I mean, if you're going to go out there and you're going to play football, guess what you got to put on? Your helmet. If you're going to go out there, you're going to play baseball, play a sport, or something that has to do with contact, you got to put your helmet on. Because when you put your helmet on, there's something that just says, I'm ready now. I am ready to go. And listen, here this morning, if you don't have your helmet on, I pray by the end of the service, you put the helmet on and you put it on tight. Tell your neighbor, keep it on tight. Now here we read in this portion of scripture, the helmet of salvation. Somebody say salvation. Now what is salvation? Now I want to kind of create a little bit of a foundation here and then we're going to kind of springboard off of it. Salvation, what is it? Salvation basically means to be saved or delivered from something. In the Old Testament, you can read about it there in Exodus chapter 14 and also in Micah chapter 7. Uh, Micah chapter 7 talks about deliverance and being saved. Being saved is basically if you were drowning in the water and someone came and rescued you, that means that you've been saved from the means of death through 
drowning. Somebody came, saw you in your state of misery that you were drowning, and someone saw you and picked you up and brought you out. You have now been saved. That's what being saved is. Somebody saw you that you were about to go under. It was all uh, about to end, but somebody saw you and picked you up. I like that scripture. He picked me up out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock. We should sing that song. We ain't sing that song in a while, huh? I just feel like singing that song. Do you guys know what song I'm talking about? He picked me up and he, he put my feet on a, now I'm walking and I'm, now I can sing. Come on now. We got our own Brian McKnight over here. Come on now. Steve Hayes, sing it. We should have Steve. You should sing a solo one of these days, Steve. That'd be awesome. We got to hear you. He picked me up. That's what salvation is. He picked me up where now I was about to go under. He picked me up when all was seemed lost. He picked me up and he turned me around. Edwin Lewis Cole said, you cannot be responsible for, for salvation until you've first been responsible for sin. Did you know that they actually teach lifeguards many times that when they go out there and they see a drowning man or a drowning woman, what they teach them is that they tell them, go out there and reach the person that is drowning. But be careful because if they're going out there and they're saying they're okay, you got to be careful because they could take you under too. You must be very careful because a drowning man who doesn't want to admit they're drowning can take not just yourself under but others around you. See, it's very important that when it comes to salvation that before you even get to that, you must realize that you got to be responsible for your sin. Saying, in other words, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful person. I think it was, I remember a story uh, my mom used to talk about. I, I think my father was leading her mom, I think it was your mom, to the Lord one time. And he was leading her to the Lord, my grandmother. And he was praying for her and said, do you want to say the sinner's prayer? Yeah, let's say the sinner's prayer. And they began to say the sinner's prayer. Say, okay, God, I come before you right now. And my grandmother repeated it. God, I come before you right now. I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm not a sinner. <laughs> right? This is In the middle of the prayer. I'm not a sinner. Hold on one second. See, because a part of salvation, you must first take responsibility for knowing that I am a sinner and I'm only saved by grace. It's by the grace of God. See, salvation, you got to admit, I'm a sinner. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've only been saved by the grace of God. Can I hear an amen? I'm a sinner saved by grace. See, in the New Testament, the salvation is generally used to refer to deliverance from eternal death and deliverance into God's kingdom. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to turn there with me. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And as you're turning there, I'm going to have my trusty soldier come on up right now. He's been with us for the past couple of weeks. Give him a hand as he makes his way. Amen. If you're listening on CD, see, this is the reason why you need to come to church. Amen. So you could see stuff like this. The helmet of salvation. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to springboard here. Verse 8. We're going to use this also later on. But it says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Somebody say the hope. Now, I want to establish something right here about salvation. And I want to establish it right away before we really get into the, the gist of the message. Now, Paul here was not necessarily talking about being a Christian because he's talking to the believers. Now, when he talks to the believers, he only talks to the believers believing that you need the armor of God. It, you know, you wouldn't be a, a have the armor of God if you didn't believe it. You wouldn't be taking up the shield or have the feet ready uh, without the gospel of peace. Only a believer would necessarily have this. So when he's talking about it, he's talking about this in a context of the future aspect. Now as we study scripture and we read here also in the scripture, salvation has to do with the past, the present, 
and also the future. Somebody say the past, the present, and also the future. See, now, when you believed in him, when you believed in Jesus Christ, see, that was your first phase of salvation. See, that salvation saved you from the penalty of sin. The penalty. Somebody say the penalty. See, if you run a red light, you will get the penalty, the ticket. You will have to pay the penalty, whether you like it or not. Oh, but I didn't do it. No, no. You must pay the penalty. So the salvation that you first had when you first got saved got you and said, you know what? You will not pay this penalty. That's your first phase. The second phase, which you and I are in, which we are being saved and continually being saved, working out our salvation, this salvation saves us from the power of sin. Somebody say power of sin. See, this is where we find that sin no longer has dominion over you and I. Being saved. And this is where we, we, we find it as you study the doctrine, the doctrine of sanctification. Being sanctified. Somebody say sanctified. But then also, in the third phase, where we are to be saved from the presence of sin. From the presence of sin. So first, we have the penalty of sin, uh, which we learn in the doctrine of justification. Also the power of sin, the doctrine of sanctification, and also the presence of sin, which is also glorification. Now, the word salvation includes all three of these. From the moment you received Christ to the time you enter into heaven, your salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. See, first, salvation happened to you. And you can read it there in Ephesians chapter 2. Then, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, salvation is happening to you. And then in Matthew chapter 10, salvation will happen to you. Past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. When you read the scriptures, you find that Christ, when he went down, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The penalty the power and the presence. The penalty, the power, and the presence. See, my God is able to save you because he has power over all of this, over the penalty, over the power, and over the presence of sin. That's where salvation comes from. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. See, an anchor is what keeps you steady in the storm. That no matter what is happening, the anchor holds. Can I hear an amen? See, the anchor will hold you tightly. The anchor will make sure that no matter what is happening, it could be stormy all up on top. But underneath, you've got strength. The anchor holds. There is hope in that. There is hope in that. No matter what comes against you, the anchor will hold. I like what... One of the greatest preachers of our times, Charles Spurgeon, he said, The greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit, which makes men look to themselves for salvation. Listen, my friends, salvation is not in us. Salvation is not in your works. So we're going to be talking about that later on. Salvation is not in your great philosophies. See, a lot of times there's even much philosophies that are even coming around today that just says, you need to be a good person, therefore you are saved. No, my friend, listen, I want you to know if you're visiting the church here for the very first time, we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to the Father except through him. That's it. That's the only way. And if you're hearing any other theology or any other doctrine or anything else, then my friend, I want, you to I want to tell you something very bluntly, very blatantly. That's a lie. Because the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. You cannot be saved by being a good person. I want you to know that right now. You cannot be saved just by being. You cannot be saved just by coming to church on a Sunday morning. See, a lot of people think that. They think, oh, man, I'm a good person. I come to church. Did you know that even the enemy shows up to church too? The enemy shows up to church. Because he wants to make sure that you feel good 
here inside. Fine, go ahead. Feel good. Do your thing. But when you leave here, you're mine. That's his thinking. When you leave it, you're mine. I'm going to get you. He wants to make sure that you can be all you can be on your own. Listen, my friend, we come to church because we're not all we can be on our own. We're only all that we can be on Christ's strength and Christ's strength alone. Can I hear an amen? See, our ultimate salvation depends on whether or not we can choose to endure all the way till the end. The past, present, and also to the future. Now, a question a lot of people ask all the time, well, the penalty of sin. What is the penalty for our sins? And how can we be saved from this penalty? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it talks about this. Now, I'm going to be giving you some scripture here this morning. Do you guys still love scripture? Is that all right, that we love the Bible? I was listening to a, a preacher the other day, and he was talking about how uh, many, many churches and many preachers today have been uh, minimized all the way down to comedians on the pulpit. And I was like, wow, that's heavy right there. I took that to heart. I said, wow, that's pretty heavy. I want to make sure, you know, I want to be relevant, but I don't want to be a comedian. I don't want to be a comedian from the pulpit. That's, there's no way. So listen, the, the reason why I say this is because if we give scriptures and you get bored during scriptures, my friend, you're going to have a very tough salvation. I'm just being very honest with you. You're going to have a very tough salvation. Now, also let me say this as well. The reason why we say scriptures are heavy because you can read one verse and stop there and it will change your life forever. You can read a whole book and it won't change your life at all. I know many, uh, many people, uh, it's funny, we were talking in the training center one time, and uh, I was talking with one of the girls, and she goes, man, I read Twilight in two days. I was like, wow. She goes, no, I read all the books. And I go, wow, that's heavy. She goes, yeah, I love Twilight. I read it all in two days. And I go, wow, when's the last time you read a whole chapter in one hour? She goes, uh, uh, now I said that, you know, kind of being a little funny, but also being serious. Because sometimes when you read a scripture, it's heavy. You're like, oh, man. See, we don't say it's heavy just because it's something to say. It's actually because when you read a scripture, you're like, whoa, that's heavy right there. So I say these scriptures so that you can write them down or also get the CD, listen to it over and over. But that when you get them, you digest them. Say, okay, I want to get this here. Because I want to make sure that you're getting the word of God. Not the word of Pastor Stevon, but the word of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is it's death. So for those of you that are wondering, if I'm a sinner, what do I get? You know what you get? Death. There it is. That's the bottom line. For the sinner that is in sin, the wages of sin is but let's keep reading. Then it says, for the wages of sin is death. Then what's the next word? But. But. Oh, I love that right there. As I was reading the scripture, I was just like, oh, but. I like big buts. I cannot lie. I can't. If you read scripture... Look, look at this. This is true. We're going to be reading it. If you read scripture, the greatest parts are after the but. The greatest parts are after the but. I like buts. I cannot lie. I'm telling you. Look at this. Look at this. Read with me. Read with me. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, right after that, see, before that, you're like, oh, man, I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. The penalty is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Ooh, Christ, thank you for the but. I love that right there. Romans chapter 5. If you get an opportunity, turn right there. Romans chapter 5. Verse 8. It's the first word. But. But. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, ooh, while you were still out there being a drug addict, being a gang member, being self-centered, being all into yourself, thinking it was all about you, Christ still died for you. 
See, I told you you'd like the but, huh? I told you you would. I'm a sinner, but God still died for me. I'm all messed up, but God still loves you. He still loves you anyways. Christ died for us much more than, let's continue on reading in Romans chapter 5, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For, in, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. One of the most famous scriptures, turn with me there, John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but, see, I told you, I told you, that's the best part, that's the best part. I like big butts, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, but you will have everlasting life. Look at me, look, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, woo! but that the world through him might be saved. You're going to get it here this morning. See, salvation is even in spite of all your stinking, messed up sin, God still loves you. Even though you don't have it all together, God still died for you. Even still, some of you, before you even came into service, you had a 40 ounce in your car. God still died for you. Even last night, before you came to worship the Most High, you got high last night. God still loves you. See, I'm telling you, the but is the best part. It's the best part. But everlasting life. But the gift of God. But he still loves you. He still died for you. First Timothy chapter 2. I'm giving you some scriptures here. If you get an opportunity, just write them down if you're not turning there. Verse 3 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth. Come to the knowledge of the truth, my friend. That Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. See, every person has thought and acted in ways that are abominable to God. Our sins break, break God's beautiful loving, living laws designed for our good. See, sin is so vile to God that it requires the death penalty. God's justice, because he is a just God, requires that penalty. See, when you go to a judge and you stand in front of him and all the evidence points towards you are guilty, the penalty says you must serve this sentence because that's what the penalty is. You are a thief, you must go to jail. You are a murderer, you are a liar, you must go to jail. See, and the penalty for sin is you are a sinner, you must be put to death. That's the penalty for sin. But, ooh, see, I'm telling you, it's the best part. See, all that right before, man, I'm a sinner. I'm, man, I'm going to hell. Yes, without Christ, yes, all that. But with Christ, but with his mercy, but with his love, he creates a substitute. See, now, there still must be a penalty. Somebody has to take this death. Somebody must pay the penalty. And that, my friend, is where salvation comes in. See, the penalty for yours and my sin is death. Somebody must die. There must be a penalty. And so all of a sudden, while you and I were still a sinner, Jesus Christ came and he died. He took the penalty, the penalty for your sin, the penalty for my sin. And he said, I will die in their place. Oh, come on, that should be a place right there where you give the Lord a hand of praise, where you are excited that somebody took your place. Because the penalty for sin is death. But Christ came in and says, I'll take his penalty. I'll take her penalty. Yeah, I know they're a sinner. I know he's messed up. I'll, I'll die for him. I will be the substitute for him and for her. Now, how do we receive this salvation, this helmet? that we talk about here 
this morning. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and also Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read two portions of scripture. Then Peter said to him, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that none of yourself, and, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's very important, listen to me here, church. It's very important that you and I understand that salvation cannot be earned. It cannot be earned. See, I know a lot of times, yeah, and we have this feeling sometimes, right? It, it always happens, you know, if, especially within. Uh, you know, us with the Victory Outreach, we have created a culture. It's a good culture, too. I, I, I like it. You know, sometimes you ever miss church before and you're like, man, I feel like a sinner. Like, oh, man, I'm in sin. I miss. No, just because you miss church doesn't mean you're a sinner. It just means you miss church. That's all it means. There's no penalty for missing church. Like, you don't, we don't walk you in here and go, uh, excuse me, were you here last week? Uh, no, that, that's a penalty. No, I'm sorry. It's a yellow card, you know. Nobody stands right there. With a card, with a whistle. No. There's no penalty. There's a penalty for sin, but there's no penalty for church. So what am I saying? I'm saying, I'm not saying that just because you come to church doesn't mean you earn your salvation. That's what I'm saying. You can't earn it. It is a gift. It is free. It's yours if you just accept it. Tell your neighbor, it's yours. See, it is a gift from God and not something that we can obtain through righteous or, or through right actions. And what it means that if we do it through right actions, we're telling God, okay, God, I'm doing good. Therefore, you must give me salvation. See, within the scriptures that we've looked at so far, looking at the sins and seeking God's forgiveness under the obedience of his laws, faith, accepting Christ's sacrifice and coming to the knowledge of the truth, are all the steps in accepting this free gift. In no way do any of these efforts make up for our sins that cause the death of our Savior and our Creator. Now what does this salvation have to do with a helmet? What does salvation have to do with a helmet? Turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. How we started on this, verse 8, it says, but let us who are the day, of, the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love and a helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, uh, verse 9, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another. I must say that one more time. Comfort each other and edify one another. I'm going to say that one more time. Comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. See, we can receive tremendous hope and comfort by focusing in on the incredible sacrifice that Christ gave to us. See, this hope works like a helmet to protect our minds. It protects us. This helmet protects our minds from discouragement, from despair, and from doubt. There's many, many things that try to come into our minds, but the helmet, it protects us. Somebody say protects us. Tell your neighbor, it protects you. See, as we read the scriptures, we find how this protects us. In John chapter 17, verse 15, it says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. This is a... a, a a great portion of scripture that I love right here that I really want us to understand because a lot of times we do this, even as Christians, we do this. And I want to show you. John chapter 17, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Have you ever went through a situation and you're like, God, just take me away. Right? God, can't you, okay, if you can't take me away, can you definitely take her away? Oh, God. Because I know it's not me. It's never me, God. Never. Never, never, never. It's her. I know. Can you just take her away? Can you just take me away? Oh, I, you ever notice that? But the scripture right here, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. That's heavy right there. Don't take them out. Keep them in. 
Don't take them out. Keep them because they need to learn what salvation is. Don't take them out. Even though you're going through, man, I'm going through it. I feel like giving up. No, hold fast to it. Hold on to it. Fasten that helmet. Keep it on, and it will protect you from discouragement. It will protect you from despair. It will protect you from doubt. It will always protect you. See, my friend, discouragement is a very lethal weapon in the hands of the enemy. Discouragement is so heavy that even Moses and Elijah, they were so discouraged that they asked God to just kill them. They were so to just kill me. Even David talked to himself being a discouraged person. Look with me in Psalms chapter 43. He says, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. You ever talked to yourself before? You've been so discouraged you just talked to yourself? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. I've been so discouraged I just talked to myself like, man, what's wrong with you, dude? I can't believe that. Oh, gosh. David felt like that too. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. He's talking to himself. Why are you disturbed within me? But then he tells himself, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I've been so discouraged before. I, I don't get discouraged a whole lot. My wife could tell you there's not a whole lot that can discourage me. It's, if you're going to discourage me, it takes a really a whole lot. People come up to me. Uh, I was in uh, Los Angeles when I lived down there. And I remember one time the Giants were losing. They were losing a lot. And, and the Dodger fans, yeah, yeah. And I'm like. It's all right. It's not a big deal. It's not my salvation. I don't really care. Uh, but it's funny because I've told them, well, the Dodgers are losing. And they're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're, I was just joking. It's not that serious. Well, right now the Giants are not losing. We're actually winning. Amen. We play today, I believe, at uh, 5 o'clock. Can we get this to Pastor Sonny? Can we send this message to Pastor Just kidding. Just kidding. Do it. Don't do it. But I have been discouraged before. One time in particular, I remember I got so discouraged, man. I got, I got so discouraged. And I was saved. And this is when I got discouraged. My wife, she's, you know, my wife now. But before, when I had, I mustered up all the courage in me to go talk to her. This is when, you know, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other. I just knew, knew her. She knew me. I saw her from a distance. I was like, man, she is great. Fly. I mean, she was bomb.com backslash beautiful. I mean, just like, wow. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go say what's up to her. And I was like, all right, I said what's up. Okay, cool. And I, I drove over there one time, and I drove in the, uh, I think it was uh, in my car, and I got out to their church, and I was going to help out, and I seen her get into the van, because at the time, I think she was running the women's home. She got into the van, and I seen her walking in, right, because I was over there to help uh, Felix. He was the regional. I was a regional at that time, so I went to go help him, which was true. They told me to. They just didn't know that God had another agenda, amen. So she was from Oakland. I'm from Hayward. I go over there, and I see her walking into the van, and I go over there, and I go, all right, here's my opportunity. I'm like, all right, I'm going to see her. I'm going to say hi. And I see her. She gets in the van, and the window was rolled down. I'll never forget this. The window was rolled down. And I see her. She walks in. I go, hey, Chella, how you doing? And she goes, oh, hi. And the window goes up. And I was like, hey. Uh. Oh, it was like a movie. I'm not kidding. And all I saw was brake lights. <laughs> wow. Okay, I didn't get that discouraged. That wasn't that discouraging. A little bit. It was a little bit. But it wasn't that discouraging. I was just like, it was more of a, a surreal moment. Like, did that just happen to me right now? That's what that was like. Did that just happen? But so finally I was like, I got, I got to tell her I like her. So I talked to her pastor. I talked to my parents. I talked Look, I really like this girl. They said, okay, you should tell her. So I said, all right, I'm going to tell her. So I mustered up all the courage, everything. I'll never forget. It was in October. And matter of fact, our anniversary is tomorrow. My gosh, that's right. It's tomorrow. And back to the story. Here we go. And I went over there, 
And I remember, actually, I think it was even the day that we got married was actually the day that I went and told her as well. I went up to her. It was at a pumpkin patch. They were doing the pumpkin patches there in the city of Oakland in their parking lot. And I walked over there, and I said, hey, can I talk to you? She's like, sure, all right. So we're, we're walking. I'll never forget, I rambled for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know what I actually talked about. I have no idea. We rambled, we walked, I bought some ice cream that I didn't even eat because in my hand it just melted. It, I'm serious, it really did melt. And, and so finally, we walked back, and we're walking back, and I go, yeah, you know, I just want to um, want to tell you, you know, that uh, I like you, and, you know, I, I think you're, you know, you're great, and, uh, you know, what do you think? So in my mind, I had it all set, had it all set. You know, the van, that was just one incident, it's no big deal, it was one incident. That all of a sudden she's going to be like, oh, really? (sighs) (sighs) That's what I thought was going to happen. What actually happened was I said, you know what, I like you. She goes, oh, okay. Now remember, I don't get discouraged a lot. At that moment... My heart dropped, and I really felt like, like my chest cavity just let go of the muscle of my heart and went right here. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, praise the Lord. Uh, how about them pump- pumpkins? All right. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, she's like, okay, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you? You'll get back to me? Like, for two weeks, she didn't call me. There wasn't a lot of texting back then. There was no text. I didn't even have her number. Do you, now, for those of you who may not know, women, I just want you to know something. Now, men, we act all macho. We act like we're all that, all that. But when we let our feelings out on the table, I personally think we're more vulnerable even than women are. We're very sensitive. I know we don't look like it, but we are. And at that moment, now remember, I don't get discouraged a whole lot, but at that moment, that was probably the most discouraged I've ever been in my life. I was discouraged. I was like, wow, I'm not used to this. I've never seen this before. What is it? And I got discouraged. And I almost felt like, you know what, just, I guess, forget it then. She's not calling me. What do I do? Do I call her pastor? Is, it, is she going to leave? Should I, do I leave the church? Do I go to her church? Does she come to my church? You know, because when discouragement comes, thoughts come that you've never thought before. You've ne- I've never had these thoughts before. Like, wait, where did that come from? Wait, wait, what? Wait. And then you start making up thoughts that you think they're thinking about. And you're making up your thoughts because you think they're thinking about the thoughts that you're thinking about because they thought what you said didn't come out right. So therefore, your thought is now their thought, but their thought is not your thought. So you got all these thoughts running around in your head, and not one of them is even true because it's just discouragement. And that's what David felt. David felt all these thoughts. Oh, my gosh, what do I do? I just messed up. Do I do this? Does this happen? I don't know what's going on here. What should I do? What should I not do? Should I do this? Should I call him? Should I not call her? Should I ask them? Should I not ask them? What do I do? Is it me? Is it not me? Is it them? Is it her? And all these thoughts start going on in your mind, and discouragement sets in. But that's why David, just like the Scripture says, my hope is in you. My salvation is in you. Nothing can penetrate these thoughts. Why? Because I got the helmet on. And when the helmet is on tightly, when the helmet is on fast, then all that discouragement that tries to come in, the discouragement that tries to come against you, the despair and the doubt when you got the helmet on, it will not penetrate your mind. That's what David was saying. He says, oh, why is my soul so downcast? Why is it within me? But my hope is in you. Some of you here this morning, you might be going through some situations where you're like, man, I don't understand this. Why is this happening? And some of you, you even question your salvation, right? You you ever done that before? I've questioned myself. Am I really saved? Is this really happening? But see, that's where if you put that helmet on, you will know that you are being saved. You are working out your salvation with fear and trembling that God has called you. He has separated you out. While you were still a sinner, God died for you. Listen, I know you might have messed up before you came into this room. 
I know you might have thought some weird thoughts, some crazy thoughts, even before you came into the room. But listen, while you're on this in this room, put the helmet on. Hold on to your armor. Put it right there, and despair will not take you out. Doubt will not take you out. Discouragement will not take you out. Why? Because you got the helmet of salvation. If you've got it on, give the Lord a great big hand of praise. I'm going to be closing right here. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, our enemy, he hates the path that we have chosen, and he's not going to stop until he destroys you because of it. See, just as the helmet protects, the vi- protects us, the vital but vulnerable head, from otherwise fatal blows, the hope of salvation can protect our thoughts from the enemy's attacks and temptations to disobey God. Now, this is something that I've looked at and I've noticed. People who think that the devil has more power than God bring a certain type of attitude to the battle. You ever notice that? People that think that the devil has more power than God, they bring a certain type of attitude and lack of confidence to the battle. You ever notice that? See, but somebody with the helmet on, they bring a certain attitude to the battle. You ever notice that? That certain things, even Paul said, these things, they don't move me. It's no big deal. See, when you got your helmet on, there's a certain attitude that you have. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever played football before, but when you play football, you put the pads on, you put, you know, you got your, uh, your, the pants on, and they have padding. You got, you're, you're ready to go, and you're like, all right, and they're hitting you, and it's okay, and everything's good. But there's something about when you put the helmet on, it's game time. It's game time, right? You ever played football before? That's how it is. I mean, you got the, your pads on, it's cool, but even with pads on, you're still on the sidelines. But when you got the helmet on, it's game time. It's, it's ready to go. I'm ready to go. See, because when you put the helmet on, there's a certain attitude and a certain confidence that says, hey, I'm ready to go. It's okay. Fine. You want to hit me? That's okay. It's not going to come in. You want to bring despair? That's all right. It's not going to move me. Oh, you're going to try to get my family? Hey, it's not going to happen. Not going to move here. Nope, not going to happen. Why? Because I got my helmet on. There's a certain attitude and a confidence and even a passion to work for God if you have that helmet on. See, we must engage ourselves in the battle fully confident in the victory that God has given us. Psalms chapter 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? See, with the helmet securely fastened, we can have the same confidence that Paul did that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. Romans chapter 8. See, the things that you go to don't even compare through what God has for you. It doesn't compare. Listen, I know you're going through things right now. And I know it seems like all is lost. Like, man, I can't do this. I don't know if I can make it. But listen, I want you to know, my friend, the stuff that you're going through, the things that you have, the things that you're going through right now, they don't even compare to the glory that God has for you. Listen, keep that helmet on. Keep it going. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. If every once in a while you got to make sure that it's loosened or loosen it here, tighten it here, put it right here, put it right there, make sure it's fastened, fine. Go for it, my friend, because we are being saved daily. This is something that we are in this fight daily. We're not in this thing one time. We're not in this thing two times. No, we're in it all the way until the end. Can I hear an amen? Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to fight a battle with somebody that is in it to the end. I don't want to fight a battle with a man or a woman that says, man, this feels pretty good. I think I'll do this one time. No, I want to fight with a person that is in it till the end. Not just till one wheel falls off, but till all of them fall off. Let them all fall off. I'll go on the brakes. I will ride. I will drive. I'm going to keep going. Why? Because I'm in this to the end. You know what one of the things that I believe that especially our generation, and when I say our generation, I'm not talking necessarily about age. I'm talking about those that are alive and right now in this generation. You know what one of the things that we lack a lot, and as I've been studying scriptures and studying the relevancy of today, as I've been looking at many of things that have been happening, you know what one of the things that we lack? We lack, especially in Christianity, that fight till the end. We lack that a lot. You know why? Because there's so much discouragement. 
Well, Jesus is the way, but kind of. Kind of? What do you mean? And all these new philosophies starts coming in. Hmm. Please, enlighten me. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. And people start putting on their own things. They start wanting to put their own stuff on there. They want to make it their own way. Okay, well, you can go to church, but not really. You don't really have to. Really, tell me. Well, the Bible says, I am the church. I am the church. I am the temple. Yes, you are the temple. And you should put that temple in a holy place. It's called church. Put it there. Keep your temple holy. Continue. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Listen, my friends. One of the things that we, we lack a, a lot, especially within our, this generation of Christianity, that we lack that fight all the way to the end. Listen, my friend, I pray that that would not be so for our church, that we would have a fight all the way to the end. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying, look, if you come to this church or to any church for that matter, any church, you are going to find a place or a season in your life where you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to say, you know what? I'm just going to go to another church. Guess what? You'll be discouraged over there too. Now listen, we want to make sure that this is a church that you can grow in, where God can call you, you can hear the voice of God. And we pray that this will be a great church that you can have, that you could grow and say, man, this is where I want to grow spiritually. This is where I want to grow mentally. This is where I feel God has called me to do. What God has called me to do, listen, get a fight in you that will fight all the way to the end. All the way to the end. And what I mean by the end, I don't mean next week. I don't mean next month. I don't even mean next year. I mean all the way until Christ comes back. To the eternal salvation. All the way to the end. Tell your neighbor, till the end. Till the end. Tell your neighbor, till the end. Psalms chapter 3 verse 8 as they come. The worship team comes. Psalms chapter 3 verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. We must remember that salvation comes from God. And that God is on our side. Can I hear an amen? And we must fully Follow and obey Christ our Lord. It is impossible for us to lose the battle or our salvation if God is on our side. I want to end with this scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn with me here to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. It says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. See, when the writer, when he awakes, in this first resurrection, he will trade his soldier's helmet for a far more glorious, imperishable, and eternal crown of righteousness. The crown of a victorious soldier in Christ. We too can be assured of victory so long as we, just like Paul, faithfully follow our God and his commandments from our heart and our mind. The Bible says here, I have fought the good fight. And many times we like to go to the next part of the verse. I finished the race. Listen, before you finish the race, you got to fight a good fight. Are you hearing me this morning? Before you finish the race, fight a good fight. Before you go to see Jesus, fight the good fight. Before you go with your Savior, hold on to your salvation. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Listen, my friend, put that helmet on. Keep it steadfast. Hold on to that thing. For those of you that are here this morning that you don't have your helmet on, I want to give you an opportunity to put that helmet on. To put it on. Tighten that thing as tight as you can. Because the enemy, he's going to want to bring despair. He's going to want to bring doubt. He's going to want to bring discouragement. But put it on tight. Hold on to it tight. And for those of you that are saying, well, I got saved a while ago. Listen, we're continuously being saved. Today is the day of salvation. Today. 
That's why I love it. A lot of times we, we look at the men's home and they go, oh, they need the altar call. You know what's funny? Is that the people who need the altar call the most sometimes are the leaders. Did you know that? Many times. Now, I'm not talking about altar call where they just come and, and just, God, forgive me, repentful. No, I believe that you have a repentant heart, many of you as leaders. But many of you as leaders, you got to have a victorious heart. And there's a difference. See, because in a battle, somebody who has their helmet on, they already feel victorious. They feel, I won already. It's almost like, you, could t you can give me all this stuff. It doesn't matter. I still won. I still won. Tell me all you want. That's not cocky. It's not pride. No, it's confidence. I am confident in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm confident in this blessed hope. I am confident. So when you put this helmet on, all right, I'm ready to go. I could, fight. I could take up my sword. I could take up my shield. I could put on the belt. I could put on the breastplate. I could put on my feet fitted. I could put it on. Why? Because I'm sure of it. I got it. I'm ready to go. Let's do this thing. Some of you here this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to put on the helmet of salvation. Confident in these things. Stand with me here this morning. The heart of a victor is one who fights the battle and fights the good fight. And he'll fight not just for him, but for his family. Did you know that when Zacchaeus was there and he came off the tree, and Jesus began to talk to him, and he began to talk, and he began to share things with him, and Zacchaeus got convicted, and he says, man, I'm going to give everything, I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give away even four times the amount. I need to give four times the amount. You know what Jesus said? He said, today salvation has come to your family, your house. Some of you here today, you're fighting not just for you. You're fighting for your family. You need to understand that. you got to understand that. And for those of you women that were here the other night, when I spoke to just the women, you know who I'm talking to? I talked about how women, you have a supernatural strength that men don't have. You remember that? You just do. I, I, we can't explain it. You have it. God has given it to you. That you have an extra special fight about you. That you can do it. I wish we had it as men, but you have it. And so I want to encourage all the single moms here this morning. I want to encourage you. You've been fighting, man. Trying to play the role of a mother and a father. No. You, you play the role of a mother. But let him be the role of the father. Let him be the heavenly father. Fight the good fight. So that when you come and stand before him, he can tell you those words. Well done, my good and my faithful servant. You're good because you fought a good fight. You're faithful because you made it all the way to the end. That's what you got. So this is what I want to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody here this morning that you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I noticed that we had quite a few new people. But even if you've been coming for a while, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and your personal Savior. You heard me talking about the helmet of salvation, and you don't really have that helmet on. But you say, you know what, today I want to have the helmet of salvation. I want to have this thing. This is my time. This is my first phase that I want to believe that Jesus is my Lord. I want to believe that Jesus is my Savior. And you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and your personal Savior. That from here on out, He's going to be your Redeemer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, on the count of three, you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life. You want Him to be your Lord. You want Him to be your Master. You want Him to be your Savior. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, come on, if that's you. Two, three, raise your hand from all over this place. Anybody, you want to accept Jesus? Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? You want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you haven't already, raise your hand right now. Come on, go ahead and raise your hand. And then put it down. God bless you. You can put your hand down. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Simply raise your hand. Simply raise your hand real high. Come on. Today is the day of salvation. 
I don't want you to leave here without the opportunity of salvation, the blessed hope of salvation. Anybody else, just simply lift up your hand and then quickly put it down. Hallelujah. Now this is what I want to do. For those of you that raised your hand and you say, you know what, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. As they begin to sing this song, if that's you and you're going to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and your personal Savior, I want you to make one more step if you can. It's okay. We all did this. I did, did this. And I'm continually doing this. But if that's you, you raise your hand. Or even if you did it, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want you to come to this altar, and I want to pray with you right now. Come on. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, come on. Come on up to this altar right now. Come on up right now. doesn't matter your age. doesn't matter your color. Come on up. Come on up closer. Come on. Come on up closer.